Well, this time, if you were to take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, and verses 34 through 40 is where we're going to be this morning, but we are going to be elsewhere as we go through the message. We'll be looking at several other passages of Scripture as we go through the message today, but uh, we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through, thir- through 40. And uh, if you would, uh, if you don't mind joining me and standing for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to do so. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. And the Word of God says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for this service thus far. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to sing about your amazing love for us. And then, Lord, help us to uh, love you back and to live our lives um, in a way that expresses that love. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the fact that you do care for us. And Lord, as we have Cornerstone Care Sunday, Lord, help us to be so very thankful for your care for us. And we'll uh, pray pray that you'd speak to our hearts now. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as we already have announced a couple times... Today is Cornerstone Cares Sunday, and what I want to do this morning is zero in on that word care, and look at that word a little bit today, and consider that word. Now, the word care means to be concerned about, to be interested in, to show love for. Um, and, and most of us use this word on a pretty regular basis. Um, we would say, uh, well, I asked our Sunday school class uh, a little bit ago as uh, we were just having a, some discussion before the lesson on who we are rooting for today in the big game in Arizona. And uh, I asked the question, how many couldn't care less. And uh, there were a lot of hands, and if I were to ask that question, I would suspect there would be even more hands with a larger crowd here. Uh, We don't really care who wins, and I don't either because my team's not in it. so, uh, but, you know, you know, sometimes you husbands, as you're going uh, to take your wife out on a date, maybe for Valentine's Day, which husbands, just a little public service announcement for you, it's Tuesday, so you might want to get, get, get some plans together, but as you take her out, if you ask the question, uh, hey, where would you like to go eat tonight? And she might say, I don't care. Here's a clue. She does care, <laughs> and you better pick wisely, my friend. Uh, I've had that happen a couple times where I'm like, oh, really? Well, let's go here. Uh, I'm like, okay, 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 w- w- where would you like to go? 
Now, um, we use that word on a pretty regular basis in our vocabulary, but, um, but, but this morning I want to really under, look at this when it comes to uh, who we are to care about. I was uh, reading about a little boy who uh, had, a, had a pretty uh, precious prayer, and uh, in his prayer he prayed this, Dear God, please take care of my daddy and my mommy and my sister and my brother and my doggy and me. Oh, and please take care of yourself. If anything happens to you, we're going to be in a big, big mess. And... Uh, now, that's, we, we do need to care about some things, and uh, I know there's some things we, we don't need to care about, but there are, some, uh, there are some things we are to care about. Now, here in our passage before us today, we are instructed exactly who we are to care about. And let's go, go ahead and get into it uh, today on this Cornerstone Care Sunday. First of all, we are to care about Christ. We are to care about Christ. In verse number 37, Jesus said to this lawyer, he said, Here's the first and great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. See, here we see the first and great commandment is to love the Lord with our whole heart, with our whole soul, and with our whole might. We are to care about Him. We are to care about Christ. Now, it goes to the question, well, why should I care about Christ? Why should I care about God? Number one, we were commanded to, but number two, because He first cared about all of us. John 3 and verse number 16, a very familiar verse, for God so loved the world. You could almost say, for God so cared about the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love the uh, verse in 1 Peter 5 and verse number 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. See, God cares about us, and that's why we should care about Him. There's a uh, song in our hymnal. Uh, it's page 428. If you want to turn there in your hymnal, you don't have to. But I'm going to read uh, the lyrics of this powerful song. The, the song title is, Does Jesus Care? The, the first uh, verse of this song says, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. The next verse says, Does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? As the daylight fades and the deep night shades, does he care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? When for my deep grief I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to him? Does he see? And the chorus answers the question, Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Look, why should we care about him? Because he first cared for us. Uh, Romans 5 and verse number 6 tells us about how he expressed that love and that care for us. 
It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due season Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. What it's talking about is, um, Paul's mentioning here is like, it, it's, it's somewhat common to hear of stories of heroism where someone would uh, maybe uh, take a bullet for someone else, maybe a secret service agent jumping in, in the line of duty in front of a bullet to save perhaps the President of the United States, or someone in the military uh, jumping on a grenade to protect the rest of his p- platoon. We hear stories about that. That, that happens. But, but we're doing this for, for someone we like, someone that we appreciate, and someone that we respect. But here in the next verse it says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were His enemies. We were without strength. We were ungodly. And yet Jesus went to the cross and, and suffered and died for us to show us how much He truly cares for us. The Apostle John wrote this in 1 John 4 and verse number 19. We love Him because He first loved us. So we are to care about Him because He first cared about us. Now, the one question that I was thinking about is, how do we really know if we truly care about Him? Now, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14, and I want to show you a couple verses in this passage here. How do we know if we really care about Him? Well, I know I really care about Him if I have this warm and fuzzy feeling inside when I think about Jesus. When I think about Him, oh, I just... And I've had people say this, I just love Jesus. I'm glad they can say it that way. But the Bible doesn't say that that's how someone knows they really care about Him, if they just feel it and it's just inside and they just, oh, I feel so much love for Jesus. Um, I'm glad for that, but that's not what the Bible says. So let's go to the Scriptures and find out how we are to care about Him. So John chapter 14, notice with me in verse number 15. John 14, 15. Here Jesus says, if you love me, if you care about me, be warm and fuzzy inside. That's not what it says. If you love me, if you care about me, keep my commandments. So if we really care about the Lord Jesus, we will care first of all about his holy word. We will care about his holy word. Look in verse number 21. It continues this thought. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So there is a deep connection between our care about the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. I would simply say this, if you don't love the word of God, if you don't love the Bible, if you don't love the scriptures... Then, then don't tell me that you love Jesus if you're never in His love letter to you. The one that He cared enough to give us if you never take time to open it up and find out what He has to say to you, then i sorry, but according to the Bible, I'm going to question your love for God. Now, we are to care about the Lord, but it requires us caring about His Word. 
1 John 5 and verse number 3 is another reference. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And by the way, His commandments are not grievous, John says. So we need to care about the Scriptures. We need to care about the Word of God enough to read it, to read it daily. I was thinking about this. I'm going to share with you something that I'm embarrassed to share with you, and I know some of you are going to be going, it's, it's going to, you, for those who are ADHD, you know, you're going to be like, how do you live like this? Okay. I have about seven email addresses. And I was thinking about, okay, that right there maybe is enough for, that's, that's six too many, maybe seven too many. <laughs> but here's the problem with my email life. I have... I checked, uh, I checked a couple days ago. I have 166,000 unread emails. <laughs> now, here's how I live like that. I turn off all those bubbles. I don't think 166,000 would fit on my iPhone saying that's how many unread me messages I have in my email app. But I know that some of you are like, how do you do? How many of you are inbox zero people? You just have to have that thing zeroed out like every day. You're like pretty good about that. Okay, I can't do that. I mean, that'll just take too much time. So I just kind of let them build up. But I flag my emails that are pertinent that I need to respond to, and I do, and I do that later. But I have all these unread messages in my email accounts, and uh, and I was looking. Well, I got some notifications that hey, my my, my accounts are starting to run out of storage, and I'm like, why is that happening? Well, okay, hello, genius. Uh, do you not understand why that couldn't? Okay, okay. now here, here's the deal. Before you get too critical of me on my email habits, okay, do you realize that there are 31,102 verses in this book right here? Can I ask you, in your life, how many of them are unread? How many of you have you've just kind of been ignoring them? They're, they're here. They've been sitting in your lap or on your sofa or on your bookshelf, and, and they're just simply unread, and you keep ignoring them, and you keep pushing them aside and saying, I don't have time for that. And, 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 and some of you are pretty faithful, right, to make sure that you go through and clean out and, and make sure you re read and respond to all of those. But are you taking time to read and respond to God's email? I realize, well, hey, look, this might be an important email, you know, with a special sale at Macy's or something like that that I can't miss. Or some good deals for Super Bowl Sunday or, or all those things. But listen, these words are life eternal. Are we taking time to read them? Do you care enough to read them? I read about a, a man by the name of Anatoly. And Shoskarsky is, I think, his last name. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But years ago, this was a... Uh, a man who was uh, living in Russia, and he was a Jew. And one day he kissed his wife goodbye as she left Russia to go on to freedom in Israel. His parting words to her will, were, I'll see you soon in Jerusalem. But Anatoly was detained and finally imprisoned. Their reunion in Jerusalem would not only be postponed, it might never actually occur. 
During long years in Russian prisons and work camps, Anatoly was stripped of all of his personal belongings. His only possession was a miniature copy of the book of Psalms. Once during his imprisonment, his refusal to release the book to the authorities cost him 130 days in solitary confinement. Finally, 12 years after parting with his wife, he was offered freedom. He was allowed to be released. And in February of 1986, as the world watched, Anatoly was allowed to walk away from Russian guards towards those who would take him to Jerusalem. But in those final moments of captivity, the guards tried to once again confiscate the book of Psalms, that little miniature book that he had with him. Anatoly, instead of letting that go and walking to freedom, he threw himself face down in the snow and refused to walk on to freedom without that little book. He said those words had kept him alive during that terrible time of imprisonment. He would not go on to freedom without them. Here's a man who cared about God's holy word. Are you a man? Are you a woman? Are you a teenager who cares about God's holy word? He gave it to you. What are you doing with it? Now, I know we believe it as Baptists, you know, hey, this is the final authority for faith and practice, and, and we hold to the truths of God's word. Great, but do we read it on a regular basis? Are we in the word of God personally? Do we love the Word of God? Because can I remind you, friend, the Word of God, the Holy Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Look, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So let's care enough about it to read it. Let's care enough about it to memorize it, to get it in our hearts and in our minds. Some of us have memorized all the players that are playing today. And we know every player on our team and all the stats and all of it, and that's wonderful. I do, to a fault, know a lot about the Dallas Stars. I know a lot about the Las Vegas Raiders. Too much. Look, it's okay if we know those things so long as we're making sure we're hiding God's eternal words in our hearts that affect us here in this life, but also in the one to come. We better make sure that we're taking time to care enough about the Scriptures to hide its word in our heart. We need to care enough about it to meditate on it, to think on it, to dwell upon it, to let it ruminate in our heart. And most of all, we need to care enough about the Scriptures to go ahead and live it out and to obey it and to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So look, if you're going to you say, oh, I care about God, I care about Christ, well, it's not going to be evident just by having this warm and fuzzy feeling inside. I'm not against that. But it's really going to be evident if you care about the Scriptures, if you care about His Holy Word. So do you. We're to care about Christ. His holy word, but secondly, we're also to care about his house of worship. 
See, when you care about someone, then you're also going to care about what they care about. And we know that Jesus truly, deeply cared about the church. So much so that he literally gave himself for it. Ephesians 5 and verse 25, Paul tells husbands, which by the way, again, we're coming up on Valentine's Day, a great reminder for us husbands, to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The love that he had for the church was sacrificial. It was selfless. He literally gave himself on the cross to show how much he cares for the church. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, uh, the Word of God says uh, to, to, to the elders there to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So friend, there's absolutely no question that he cares about the church. And in fact, the church is likened to the bride of Christ. He cares about it. And if we really care about the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to care about his house of worship. We'll care enough about it to be there. Now I realize you're there this morning. So good work. <laughs> but listen, tonight we're having another service at 5 o'clock. Wednesday night we're having another service at 7 o'clock. Next Sunday, we have Sunday school at 9.45. And then next Sunday morning at 10.45, we have another morning service. And then next Sunday night, we have another evening service at 5 o'clock, and on and on it goes. Look, if you care enough about Jesus, you're going to care about His place of worship, His house of worship. Hebrews 10.25, we're called here to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not so much the less. Look, many people have shared with me, and they, they're, they're probably right, that, that we as a country and we as a culture are, are heading for some difficult times economically and financially and, and uh, with, with all kinds of different things and, and maybe religious persecution coming down the way and, and, and the food supply and, and, and some difficult times. It's very possible, perhaps even likely. So... That's the time to, like, hunker down and stay in our house and protect ourselves. No, that's the time to continue doing what we should be doing, being in the house of God, encouraging one another, exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see that day approaching. And so let's be faithful to church. I, 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 I was reading about... Um, the ticket prices for this year's Super Bowl. And I read an article yesterday, and they've been dropping in price this past week, and I was thinking, finally, something going down in price. <laughs> something that inflation isn't affecting. But, but, but as of Thursday, and, and this, is a, this still is a mind-boggling number, the least expensive seat will cost, and this is as of Thursday, cost $4,200 for the least expensive seat to go to the Super Bowl. The most expensive, by the way, and I was thinking $4,200, that can buy a decent first car for Faith when she you know, gets to, the, to, gets to age. Um, but the most expensive seat was $30,000. You could buy a pretty decent vehicle for thirty dollars that, that would go well towards our building fund, you know, 
Um, and, and, and look, but people are totally willing to pay that much money to watch a group of barbaric men trying to get a weird-shaped pigskin ball up and down a field of grass. <laughs> now, I'm a football fan. I enjoy sports. Uh, but listen, people are willing to put that type of money and be faithful to that sporting event. But when it comes to church, it's not that important. I, I want to encourage all of us to make sure that church attendance becomes important. So let's care about the house of worship enough to attend and to uh, care about it enough to give and care enough about it to be engaged and active participants in that church. Not just be sitting and saying, hey, what can, what can you do for me? But instead, what can I do to help? What can I do to be a blessing? Cornerstone cares. First, we are to care about Christ. Why? Well, because he first cared for us. How do we know that we truly care about Him? We know we do really care about Him is if we care about His Word. And if we honestly care about His house of worship, if we care about what He said and what He wants us to be a part of. Notice, secondly today, not only are we to care about Christ, but we are also to care about our church family. Let's flip back to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, very briefly here, Matthew 22 and verse number 37, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's caring about Christ. Verse 39, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these, the two, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. See, not only are we to care about Christ, we're also to care about others. I was reading about a third grade boy who had spent all night preparing for Valentine's Day by making everyone in his class a special card to express his love for them. All night he labored over the project. One for Jenny, one for Mark, he said, as he signed and sealed each one. It was a beautiful act of kindness for anyone, let alone a third grade young man. As he went to bed that night, the excitement of the following day caused him to toss and turn for a while before he finally fell asleep. Finally, he settled his thoughts. It will be Valentine's Day soon, he thought to himself as he drifted off to sleep. The next day, he ran to his classroom and began placing the cards he had made into the other children's special envelopes. He noticed that his was empty, but paid no attention because he would check again after the first class was finished. Again, he checked, and still nothing. Lunchtime rolled around, and still no Valentine's cards. Not a single one was in the little boy's envelope. Maybe they just forgot, he said out loud to himself. When his mother picked him up from school, he walked to the car with his head down, looking at his feet. She noticed his Valentine's envelope was empty. And he mumbled, not a single one. Not a single one. When he got in the car, he again mumbled, Not a single one. He raised his fingers one by one as if counting and said, Not a single one. Then, his mother, then he looked at his mother and began to smile and said, I didn't forget a single one. You see, he wasn't thinking about the Valentine's cards he received. He was thinking about the ones that he gave. 
And that's the mentality we should have as believers, that we care more about others than we do ourselves. Remember that old acronym that many of us know? Joy, J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and then you. When you have it in that right order, uh, life goes a lot better than if you get it out of order. Because joy sounds a whole lot better than yoge. <laughs> you, others, and then Jesus, or whatever the order is. But when you put Jesus first, when you care about Him first, and then others second, and then yourself last, that's the right order. So, uh, we are to care about others, but especially those within the family of God. The book of Galatians, we read this verse in chapter 6 and verse 10. Paul says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So yes, we're to do good to everyone, but especially to those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially to those who are within our church family. In fact, Jesus said that loving one another would actually be the marker, the distinguishing factor of his disciples. John chapter 13, verse number 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, or care for one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. I know a lot of people think, oh, no, no, um, what, what everybody, everybody's going to know I'm a Christian if I have a Christian bumper sticker on the back of my vehicle. If I have a Cornerstone Baptist Church sticker on my vehicle. Or if I um, have a big family Bible in my home sitting on the coffee table, then everybody will know that I'm a Christian. Or if I post a Bible verse on Facebook, then everybody will know that I'm a Christian. I'm not against any one of those things. But that's not what Jesus said would be the distinguishing factor of a, of a disciple, of a believer. He said, loving one another would be that key distinguishing factor. So how are we doing? And this morning, I want to ask the question, how can we practically, uh, how can we uh, care for one another within our church family? What does it look like? And what do I want to encourage our church family? And for those who are visiting today, feel free to just be part of our church family, okay? We're glad you're here, and uh, this, is, this is for our church family, and uh, this is what I want to encourage all of us to care about each other. As I mentioned, uh, when we had this announcement back in Vision Sunday at the beginning of January, I said Cornerstone Care Sunday is all about um, caring about each other, but then also caring about those outside our church as well, and we're going to get that to that tonight. But for now, we're going to look at how we can how we can practically care for one another within our church family. What does that look like? What ways can we care for one another? First of all, we need to bear burdens. We need to care about each other enough to where we're willing to bear burdens of those around us. In the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2, Paul says to those churches there in that region, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we're to bear one another's burdens. Now the word bear isn't just a scary big animal. Okay, The word bear means to lift, 
means to carry, means to take up. So we're to bear one another's burdens. I think of when Jesus was on the way up to Golgotha and carrying his cross piece. He fell underneath that weight, if you remember that, and then they compelled one who was watching, Simon of Cyrene, to come and help carry that cross up the rest of the way. And Simon helped carry the cross. And what a privilege to be the one to bear that particular burden. You and I have the opportunity to bear one another's burdens, to help carry the cross that some of us have to carry. Uh, I want to be a church. We want to be a church that indeed rejoices with them that rejoice, but then also weeps with them that weep. And there's times that we all go through of trial and tribulation where there is weeping, where there is struggle and suffering. Well, that's not the time to say, well, be warmed and filled, and I'm glad I'm having a good time over here. God bless you over there. Sorry about your problem. Now, we need to be there to bear one another's burdens. And, and maybe the time of blessing for you is an opportunity for you to bear someone's burden. We need to care enough to help carry their load. How can we do that? Well, we can do this through prayer, of course. Or we care enough to pray for those who are going through difficulties, who are carrying a pretty heavy load. We can absolutely pray for them, and we should, and this is the greatest way we can help bear burdens. James chapter 5 and verse number 16, uh, we're, this is the verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But, but do you know where the, the context of that verse is? The beginning part of the verse says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. And I realize that in many of our lives, the bigger trials that we face are health-related. Um, but there's also emotional trauma that some of us go through, and, and that we need healing in, and, and uh, a lot of er other areas that we need healed in. And a lot of us do go through and bear those type of burdens and have those burdens, it's great when someone says, hey, I'm praying for you. I mean, as a pastor, when somebody says, hey, I pray for you every day, can tell you what a blessing that is. And I know that when I've shared with people, hey, I've been praying for you, I know that that's an encouragement. And I know it's an encouragement to me when people pray for me. So, look, let's care for one another enough to know what those burdens are. And that requires getting to know people. That requires having a relationship with others. And I know that some people are a little more extroverted or, you know, relational and outgoing than others. But listen, if we are called to bear burdens. We better know what those burdens are so that we can bear them through prayer. But we can also do this through meeting practical needs as well. We try here at Cornerstone Baptist Church when someone goes through a a death in the family, perhaps, or a major surgery. We, we, we try to provide meals for them. We want to uh, be, be a practical, not just, hey, I'm praying for you, when we have the ability to do something else to be a real practical help at that point. We also want to be available to maybe run some errands, to simply visit and listen and talk to one another. And tonight in the service, by the way, we're going to have an opportunity for everybody to sign up to help meet some of these needs. 
And so I do want to encourage, again, everybody to come back tonight because we'll have an opportunity for you to fill out a ministry interest form to figure out in what ways can you be involved and help meet some of these needs by providing meals, things like that. And I know maybe people are like, I'm too busy to do this. I've got my own problems. Well, I realize that not every time... There's even been times in my life as a pastor where I've needed to be ministered unto. I like to be the one doing the ministry, but I'm a person too, and there's times where we need to be ministered unto. And there's going to be times like that for all of us. But we do need to care enough. Again, caring about our neighbor, loving our neighbor. One of the neighbors that we have are the people in this room, people in this church. Who is my neighbor? Well, if you take a little look around, there's a lot of neighbors here that need our love, that need our care. So we can care about our church family by bearing burdens. But then secondly, we can care about our church family by blessing the children. If you would turn with me to Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10, one of the... We need to care about everybody in our church. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in His sight. Young, old, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. The ground is level at the cross. But we do need to have a special care for the children. There was a group of disciples who failed to get the memo on this. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 13 says, And they brought young children to, Jesus, to him, Jesus, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. See, here were those, probably their parents, who were trying to bring their children to Jesus. Which, by the way, moms and dads, I can't think of a better uh, purpose in this life as a role in, in your responsibility as a parent is to bring your children to Jesus. Isn't that what it's all about, moms and dads? There were those who did what they could to bring the next generation to Jesus. We don't exactly know how they brought them, but they did. And the reason they brought these children to Jesus is that they, is that Jesus would touch them. They knew that the next generation, these young children, needed a touch from Christ and that He would make all the difference in their lives. The disciples were not a big fan of this. In verse 13 it says, His disciples rebuked those that brought them. He said, get them away from Him. Jesus perhaps doesn't have, maybe it was, he doesn't have time for little snotty-nosed kids that need diaper changes in a bad way. I've had four children, and there's been moments where they've needed diaper changes in a very bad way. And so I don't know if what, that's what they were thinking. We aren't given the reasons why they wanted to dismiss their children. and it, Perhaps it was because Jesus was busy and they didn't think he had time for these little kids. Praise the Lord. He has time for children. That's encouraging to me since I'm one of his children. He has time for me. If you're one of his children, he has time for you. 
He doesn't say, oh, don't bother me with their little problems. I don't have time for that. No, no, God does have time for us and for our little problems. He does have time for us. Perhaps it was because children would make a mess of things, and, and I get it. Kids are messy. They're dirty. They don't always say the right things or do the right things. They break things, a lot of things. I guess somebody broke another glass in our house yesterday. Is that right? Was it one of our children? It was one of our children. See? And I came home last night after being in the office for a little while, and all the lights on, all, all the lights in the house were on. And I'm like, how long have these lights all been on? Do we need to have every light on in the house? Uh, I mean, because do you not know that somebody needs to pay for these lights to be on? And, and my wife says, well, they weren't always on. We, we had to turn them on because somebody broke a glass and it went everywhere. And we were trying to get all the little shards of glass. And it, kids do those things. I mean, we disowned them. But, you know, <laughs> they do these things. I mean, we took care of it, okay? Um, no, look, children are, I mean, they are a burden at times for sure, but they are a blessing they're, they're, they're the blessing burden, okay? <laughs> and, and, and they're awesome. And, and, and look, when we get to this cynical, like, oh, these, these children, these kids, they're so annoying. That, that's not the heart of Christ. That is not the heart of God. I, uh, uh, I, I have in my notes here, these disciples were the original get-off-my-lawn guys. <laughs> I don't know how, these guys probably weren't all that old, but they kind of had that mentality already. Get off my lawn. These kids, you don't bother me. So here in this passage in Mark chapter 10, we see two types of people. We see those who are trying to bring the next generation to Christ and those who wanted it to stop. Which one are we going to be as a church? I want to be the one who's doing everything we can to bring the next generation to Christ, to bring these young children to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to have Him touch their lives and change their lives for eternity. I heard about a man who went on church visitation one day, and he came back afterward to give testimony to the fact that while out on visitation, he had the privilege to lead one and a half people to the Lord. The pastor asked for an explanation. The man said, well, I led one man to Christ. That's one. And then I got to lead a little boy to the Lord. That's the half. The pastor wisely corrected the man and said, if you're going to use that type of counting, you actually have it backwards. You see, the man you led to the Lord only has half a life left to give for the Lord's service, while the little boy has all of his life left to give. The next generation is extremely valuable. They are the church of today and tomorrow. They will be the ones doing the preaching, the song leading, the ushering, the deaconing uh, very soon. So we must reach them now and do what we can to bring them to Jesus. On Sunday, a lady was inviting, a, inviting children to come to Sunday school when she met, a, she met a little boy and asked him why he went so far past so many Sunday, school, Sunday schools to get to his own church. There are plenty of others, she said, just as good. He said, they may be so good, but they're not so good for me. Well, why not, she asked. And he answered, because they love a fellow over there. Because they love a fellow over there. 
My prayer and desire for Cornerstone Baptist Church is that we would be a place that truly loves a fellow over here. That we would be a church that really cares for the children. That we would have the same heart for the next generation as the Lord Jesus has. That we would suffer the children to come to Christ. We need to bless the children. And today we're going to have baby dedication. Today we have parents who have decided that they're going to dedicate themselves to bring their children to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this time we're going to have prayer and I'm going to dismiss those parents to go get their children. And we're going to do some announcements and then we're going to do baby dedication in just a few minutes. Let's pray together. Lord, we do come to you today thankful for, number one, the fact that you cared about us. Lord, as your word says, we were unlovable, we were ungodly, we were sinners, we were your enemies, and yet you cared about us. You cared about us enough to send your son to die on the cross for us. God, will forever thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a result of your care for us to care about you enough to be in your word, to be in your house to be faithful, to spend time reading your word and your love letter to us. And then, Lord, to uh, make sure that we're faithful and engaged and involved and uh, active within the church that you love so much that you gave yourself for. But then, Lord, help us also to not only care about you, but also uh, one another in, in this church family. Enough to bear burdens, to know what those burdens are and to meet them in a practical way through prayer and by meeting practical needs. And then help us also, Lord, to bless the children. Lord, I am thankful for every little one that's here at this church and for those who are growing up right before our very eyes. And Lord, it's amazing the potential that is in this church when I consider those young people and what you may have them do one day. God, I pray you'd help us to bring them to Christ. Help us, Lord, to invest in them. Help us, Lord, to... Lord, love them and care for them and nourish them and teach them and try to bring them to you. And Lord, I thank you for these parents who've come today to dedicate not only their children, but themselves most of all, to bringing their children to a saving knowledge of Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless the rest of this service and the rest of this day in Jesus' name. Amen.